Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The home summer is a quest for perfection. The necessity to win all five tests to underpin the defence of the championship base. Aba Azam is on strike. He bowled! Hazelwood crashes through! Bowls again. Marsh dances and does go straight. Marsh hammers it. Nathan Lyon. Has he got 500 test wickets? He does! Over the wicket. Lamashane advances. Strikes straight down the ground. Stark to finish the first over. significant resistance and admirable competition. Jamal on the advance, down the ground he goes, he got it right out of the meat. Freddy bowls to Larbashay, down leg sides, he hit it, he has! Hamza's got one for one, it's bowled! Hamza's gone right through him, Pakistan are rampant! But Australia ultimately prevailed, largely on the back of Captain Fantastic. Cummins gets to the crease and bowls to complete the oh. over, back to it, caught second innings and 10 for the match. Cummins, there's the bouncer, pulls it out towards five leg and he's hold out! A five for Pat Cummins, three on the trot for the captain. Now cricket in this country turns a page beyond the days of an opening Tyro. Warner on 98, Jamal round the wicket to him and Warner, short ball down towards the third, gets himself a boundary. Warner readies himself, he's back and turning around the corner and he'll raise the bat one final time. For 57, his work for Australia in Test cricket is done. And he can take a final bow in a moment that will live eternal. And the debate, who should take up those duties, has been spirited. Harry's been that person who was next in line. It's a nice time to play someone relatively new or bring back someone new. My preference would be Matt Renshaw. Right now, I'm going. I'm still going. Can't right? Steve Smith opening the bat. Could you envisage that? I could. Steve Smith will be opening the batting and Cameron Green will come into the number four position. I'm keen. I'm interested to have a new challenge up top. I'm not foreign to the new ball. The West Indies are again on our shores. Bowls here to Chanderpaul, who takes on the short ball down towards fine leg, up and over the top. He bowls to De Silva, who drives him through mid-off for four. Bowls and Brathwaite plays through cover. And Brathwaite brings up his half-century with those three runs. A team that personifies the modern troubles of Test cricket. I'm really excited about the series. It's a young team, 
I do believe the guys can get the job done. But Australia will need to be ruthless across a two-test series to conclude the summer. The wicket looks really good. It's always a beautiful venue here, so playing against a side uh, like West Indies, we do a little bit of research, but really we're going to have to suss it out on the, on the fly there, which is exciting. It starts with a day test in Adelaide as Australia and the West Indies meet on SEM Test Crickets. Over the wicket, at him, he's bowled him! It's to take That is a shot of an emperor. Stephen Smith at second slip. It's a screamer. Crawley's left on the pad. They're up, he's out. Bowls to play. Plus, live across Australia and around the world, Australia versus the West Indies on SEM Test Cricket. Hello and welcome to SEM Test Cricket for Host Plus and Handley Homes, built with confidence. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening around the planet. Dwayne Russell, Simon Cadditch, Damien Fleming are with you right now. The full team, Adam White, Barats, and Racini and Smith, Ryan Harris are going to be with us shortly. We're live from the Adelaide Oval and it is a picture. The Adelaide Oval, the grass looks like carpet, the sun's shining, a little bit of rain last night, a few clouds hovering but uh, the Torrens was uh, in full glory today with the runners and the walkers out in force. Uh, the crowd we hope will start to file in here and be rather large by mid-afternoon and it's going to be good to have your company all afternoon and for hopefully a full five-day test but we'll wait and see um west indies times change things in the world change cricket changes the whole world changes and even the australian lineup with no warner is changing so we'll talk more about the west indies shortly but our experts joining us right now simon cadditch and damian fleming for in place living specialist disability accommodation designed for you and firstly, welcome to you, Flem. Great to have you back. Dwayno, listeners, no, absolutely pumped to be here. Also with a local legend, yourself, Dwayno. <laughs> and you notice the hometown heroes yeah. come back. They're all over. You're signing autographs <laughs> out the front. <laughs> they don't forget, Dwayno, do oh, they? Hang on. My, my six goals here isn't anywhere near your five for here. You took a five for here? Well, it should have been six for Anna Hatcher. Right. <laughs> okay, well. So that matches your goals. No, that's true. That's true. And uh, Simon Cadditch, I think... Uh, your first ever innings here at 75? Yeah, against India. Yeah. In 2000 and late 2003, I think it yep. was. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a beautiful over to play. Yes. This over's changed a lot since I've played here. A, a hell of a lot. I mean, the Victor Richardson Gates were here. Uh, it's changed so they much. They were magnificent, weren't they? They were. They were. And, and it was always a challenge, well, yep. not when you're bowling, to get hit over them. But <laughs> as a batter, wasn't it? Correct. Cato to to run over the Richardson Gates and... Um, it was it was a long ground, wasn't it? I would mm. imagine for yeah. an AFL ground that uh, being on the wing, you wouldn't if you're an outside player. Ooh, yeah, but been space. Tougher. I mean, if you if you had the fitness, you had plenty of space to use. I I've enjoyed the fact that what's well, one of the few grounds where the pitch runs the same direction as the goals would run for an AFL venue. Yeah. That doesn't happen in many parts of Australia, and I'm glad they've still got the hill and the Morton Bay figs. It is still in full glory, even though they've. Is West End Beer Heritage listed as well? well I, believe it, I believe it is. Southwark was on the heritage list. <laughs> yeah. My dad was a Southwark drinker, and uh, I'm not sure that 
it had anything to do with his early demise, but uh, oh. he, he, um, he was a religious Southwark drinker. So there was a divide here. Look, it's Barrack for Port Adelaide or the Crows. It's, yep. it's drink Southwark or West End as it was once upon a time. And uh, there, people love their sport here. And it was nice to walk in just to, to see a lot of the people who were just so enamoured with sport and have always loved their heroes here, regardless of which sport it was. I mean, there's so many going back. I mean, the chapels have got great history here. Even when you come to... Adelaide on the plane, you have to go down to Donald Bradman Drive to go from the airport into the city. So it's got a nice flavour as soon as you arrive when you're in the taxi. It was once upon a time called Burberry Road, but they changed it to Sir Donald Bradman Drive. It's got a bit more um, just a cachet Panache. right now. Oh, exactly. I, I like that. No, it, it is a, well, we've always, every, every cricketer loves playing at the Adelaide Oval. Um, the, even the pitch has changed a lot too mm. because generally it's it had to be uh, extra millimetres of grass for day-night cricket. Damien Hoffs is as good a curator as there is in the world. You know, he's getting um, calls from overseas, America, to help out with their pitches. But even in the old days, Caddo, when it was a... Um, more a batting pitch, but even if it was a belter on day one, even as a fast medium bowler, you knew you'd, you'd get reverse swing, inconsistent bounce day four, and the spinners would get a, 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 a game of it as well. And then if it swung a bit around a bit early, you knew it would be a good batting track till the end. So it was one of the great grounds to play. Oh, it is one of the great grounds to play cricket on. It was. And this wicket has changed so much because we've seen in recent times with the pink ball on it, there's so much extra bounce now. And you see so many DRS decisions get either overturned because of the height. And we see this wicket out there this morning. It's got some good grass coverage on it. It's green at the moment. So there should be some seam movement early. But... You know that everyone's in the game here. Nathan Lyons always enjoyed bowling here over the years with the turn and bounce. The quicks get something out of it. And if you're good enough, technically, you'll make runs here because it is a good track to bat on. Our ground and weather conditions are for Rainbird, leader in irrigation for over 90 years. And our pre-match is for Spitwater, tools, not toys. Working hard since 1982. Simon Cadditch, Damien Fleming and Adam White's joined us as well. I think uh, Whitey's been out there as well having a little browse. Uh, welcome to you, Whitey. G'day, Dwayne. Um, as you were saying welcome a f- few minutes ago, the West Indies were just making their way from the from the hotel across the ground. Were you surprised they uh, weren't here a lot earlier? Well, well, I'm not sure, but Steve Smith had already had a net. I went out and had a look at him yeah. about 15, 20 minutes ago. He was in the nets. Uh, now, that's not abnormal. But um, you can just see he's really already locking in. He and Cameron Green, so the two that are in Mm. different batting positions than normal, were both uh, having a net. And the other thing to mention, and Kat, we were out there earlier today, there there has been a fair bit of rain here overnight. So the actual outfit was quite damp, um, but the wicket very dry and very Hard, which is probably a bit surprising that it was as dry as it was for a for a day one. Yeah, and, and even the different dynamic of being here at this time of the morning, like twenty to nine, yes. it feels strange because the last, obviously, probably since twenty fifteen when day night test started, you've had this feel of getting to the ground around lunchtime and then it starts around two ish. So it feels strange being back. It's junior almost cricket. junior cricket days, isn't it, Whitey? <laughs> Get the cones out. So. What do you expect? You've had a good look at the pitch. What do you expect from the pitch today? And, and given that we did have a bit of rain last night, as we mentioned, it's, it was more than just a little sprinkle last night the outfield got. How far did the covers reach on the ground last night? 
Oh, uh, there's no issue with the, the square. Yeah. They're always, always well covered. But, but some I grounds think... now cover the entire entirety, don't they, in the world? We're, still, we're never going to get to that, are we? I don't think so, purely because uh, they've got the manpower. I know in places like Kolkata, the whole ground gets covered because mm. a lot of the times the rain can be monsoonal and basically you know, wet the whole outfield. But and there's about 250 people helping with the covers too. Correct. True. That's right. It does drain through to the roof of Flem's car. Underneath. Yeah, You've parked bit. underneath, haven't you, Flem? Uh, no, we're staying at the grounds right. okay. on Channel 7, so I just strolled over. Oh, how, nice. how good's that? Yeah, it is nice having a hotel but, at the ground. Uh, yeah, where the Victor Richardson said, gates were once. <laughs> yeah, I might be actually staying right on the gates. <laughs> um, no, the drainage is, is fantastic at the Australian grounds, so there's no need to do that. Um, Damien Hoff said he expects even more pace and bounce, like you were saying. They've had a great preparation. Um, I mean, did you say how much millimetres of grass he's kept on, Cato? Well, I spoke to Andrew McDonald. He thought it was eight mil. It looked quite thick. Okay, so that's it's, that's decent yeah, for a, a decent day test. Covering. Yeah, yeah, it's a decent covering. And it felt uh, hard, but it just felt like it had that little bit of morning moisture because obviously just peeled off the covers and, and there's been a bit of rain overnight. So you'd expect that 10 o'clock start... A new ball out there should be a little bit of nip around with Which a Which we ball. don't normally talk about with the pink um, one. You know, we say the pink ball, well, that, that twilight zone, that's when it starts to move around a little bit more. So it'd be good to actually see the ball moving off the seam a little bit in that lad test. So it's still a win-the-toss bat-first pitch, which yep. means we, if we bat first, we're not going to see Warner. We will see Steve Smith open. It's going to be a change for a lot of us who've watched cricket for a long, long time. And if there is a little bit of... Um, pitch to play with for the opening bowlers, then Steve Smith might get a hard time for early. Yeah, look, I, I like the fact that he's put his hand up for it because normally with senior players, you know, they'd be reluctant to leave a role that they've mastered. And he's mastered number four. He mastered number three prior to that. He's averaged 60-plus in both roles, which is amazing over his career. But the fact that he wants to take on this challenge and thinks that it's going to benefit him and the team because it's allowing Cameron Green to come into his preferred spot of batting at four. I mean, his first-class numbers at number four, Cameron Green, are outstanding. He averages yeah. 65 for WA. So hopefully it's a, it's a double win for this Australian team. And given the decisions they've made over the last 12 months in not just test cricket but in white ball cricket as well, you can't fault them. They've been mm. on the money with a lot of decisions they've made. It might not always be the traditional method of decision-making, the way they've gone about it and the way they're thinking, but they've just gone, let's pick our six best batsmen and these guys are it, and I like the way they've gone about it. And it's not foreign because the man next to us here, Dwayne O'Simon Kadic, you know, batted a lot of five or six for Australia and then went to opening. Shane Watson did it, and I think both you boys averaged over 50s. Um, and you were saying, as Steve Smith has been talk talking about as well, the great thing about opening is you always know when you're batting. And that's the thing. Mm. It's just a change in your mindset because you have to face up at some point. But when you're opening, you don't waste nervous energy sitting around waiting to bat. And it sounds like that's been something that's been weighing on Steve Smith's mind and it's probably played a role in him not probably reaching the heights that he had around that 2019 Ashes. And what I was interested in his comments this week was that He's faced the new ball plenty of times batting at number four. And that 2019 Ashes was a great example because Australia were constantly two for not many because Warner had mm. a tough time of it. And then whoever else, I think, was either Quadra or Harris at the top of the order was struggling. Yeah, didn't get any runs. So, no, I, I think... And it just looks like he, he's up for the challenge. And, and 
you know, he doesn't need to average 60 up there. You know, anything over 40 uh, would be a bonus. Um, and and he'll he'll see through Usman Khawaja's career. He's a couple of years younger or a few years younger than Usman. So, and also we want it, we we want Cam Green to um, succeed at Test level because you get a three-dimensional player there, a man that can bat four, hopefully average in the 40s, hostile fast bowling, and in the gully is like two men in the gully, isn't he? But Boys, I've got to get going. Flem, a bit later on. You go. Simon, before um, we take a break, and Whitey's had a chat to Alice Carey, so looking forward to hearing Whitey's chat with Alice Carey. So the mechanics of how it played out then, from a, a selection point of view, from a coach point of view, because we know what's happened in history, but things are happening different with the Australian team in 2023, 2024, than they've almost happened in any Australian cricket team before. And it's not saying it's a bad thing. It's just the evolution of selection and the imposing figure that Pat Cummins is, perhaps. So how would it have played out? Would Steve Smith have first said to Andrew McDonald, I'd like to do this? Or would he have mentioned it to a few teammates and they've said, great idea, throw that one up? Or would he have mentioned to Pat? How did it all play out? And how do you how do you accept that this is the best way to go? Gee, it's going to be a win for Steve Smith. He probably wants it for him. But, hey, it's going to be a win for Cam Green. We'll get him in. And it might be a win for us as well because we've got stability at the top order and not someone new. Yeah, no, I think it sounded like hearing Andrew McDonald's comments right when the summer started prior to the Pakistan series and he was asked around obviously the speculation with David Warner and said you know there's Australia's had a history of players moving up the order from middle order roles and as soon as that was said I think that started to get everyone's ears you know pricked up thinking well you know it might not necessarily be an out and out opener that gets the role and then I think as time evolved and Smith's probably thought about it, thought, you know what, maybe this is a good challenge that I want. And they've probably started talking privately about it because they knew the end point was Sydney if David Warner got yeah. runs. And once he got runs in Perth, he was a lock for Sydney. So, I mean, the way it's played out, that's just, I guess, yeah, timing of it all. But um, I don't mind the way they've gone about it because Steve Smith is as well-equipped as any of these players to open the batting because he's done the business at test level. He's a proven test player. He's, he's our best player. He might not be in the best form of his career, which is hard because he's had some huge highs back in 2019 in the Ashes, but he's best equipped. And when you compare him to the other three genuine opening options, you know they've all had opportunities in Test cricket and haven't grabbed them. Mm. So I get why they've used this logic, and I get that Cameron Green bats at four because I think he is the future of this Australian team at 24. Marnus Labuschagne's the youngest player at 29. So that is something they do have to look at with his batting lineup. And, and I think the starting point for all of this was how do we get Cameron Green into the team? The only reason he was out of the team was because he was injured ahead of Headingley. Mitch Marsh came in and I don't think anyone expected, including Mitch, that he would do as well as he did. But then he continued to do well and he continued to play the number six role the way a number six should play. And I don't think Cameron Green is natural at number six. And as you said, the numbers for him in uh, first class cricket almost demands being selected at four. And I think, you know, Dwayne, you and I have uh, hosted a fair bit of SEN uh, over the last couple of weeks and the feeling is you're not rewarding runs at Sheffield Shield cricket by not playing Cam Bancroft. Well, the reality is they actually are because they're rewarding the one player that's averaging over 50 in Sheffield Shield cricket at number four, and that's Cameron Green. Spot on. And that's where it had to be put in context because I think I, I get that argument around you know, the shield becomes irrelevant. 
But it's not in this situation because the only reason Cameron Green hasn't been playing Shield cricket the last 12 months is because he's been in the Aussie yeah, setup. He's right. been in the white ball setup. But when he did get back from India, he played a Shield game in the Gabba. He got 96. And then he went to Canberra and played in the PMs game and got 46. So he's made runs. It's just that he made them a couple of years ago in Shield cricket. It, it felt it, it's the perfect storm or it's the imperfect storm for Marcus Harris and for Cameron Bancroft because the other side of the story is you've got Cameron Green at four, Steve Smith to open. Well, Steve Smith, I think, needs a challenge. He looks a bit jaded. Now, that might be because there's been so much cricket played over the last 12 months. But I kind of feel if, if Smith was making hundreds at four, which he's done for fun for so long, we probably wouldn't be talking about Smith opening the batting. But it can actually get him going as well as well as having a generational player in Cameron Green coming in at four. It actually protects the future a little bit as well because Kawaja and Smith aren't going to play for too much longer. So they'll need to have 50 test matches into Cameron Green before they then go to the next generation when the others go. That doesn't mean that Harris, particularly, I think, and Bancroft won't get back in. But at the moment, it's just getting games into Cameron Green and giving a new challenge for Steve Smith. There's another dynamic at play as well, I think, and that is there's a thing in Australia where the sport you watched when you were a kid with your heroes and your idols, that was the sport. Nothing's ever going to beat that. So if you grew up watching cricket in the 70s or 80s, there'll never be anyone to compare, or even the 90s. There'll never be another Shane Warne who you idolised. There'll never be you know, another Ricky Ponting if, or Lily if he was your guy. So I'm not sure that everybody in Australia is as in love with Steve Smith, perhaps, as we probably should be, given his record. And we know why. So maybe when there's an element of Steve Smith saying, I want this, where there's a lot of Australians saying, hang on, that's not the process. Uh, do we really want Steve Smith running this show like that? I'm not sure. We, we like what's going on there. So there's that other sort of maybe 10% anti-Steve Smith sentiment out there as well still floating. Yeah, I get that. But then you, I think you actually prefer your senior players to put their hand up like he is and we take do, on the tougher the, I'm job. I'm thinking of the fan, though. The no, fan out there who's, who's got a voice on SEN. And that's the I mean, thing we That's we what allow. we're hearing from we, SEN, yeah, from Yeah, because it's so, you, you kind of sometimes have to be anti to call. So you're not necessarily going to be... We do get a lot of callers who ring up and say, hey, give Smith, Steve Smith a break, will you? You guys give Dave Warner a break, will you, you guys? But there are a lot of people who... You know, they pick up the phone because they might be a bit angry. They don't like the histrionics of yeah. Steve Smith. They don't like the fact that he's never out. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's got but, what I've called an ick. Yeah. I mean, he's perfect in every way, but he's just got that one ick yeah. where you think, okay, if you, I love you, but if you, if you didn't, you know, pick your nose, yeah. well, but, you'd be fine. You'd be welcome around for dinner. But, Dwayne, that, I think that's fair. But I think the other part of it is, which I probably didn't realise still the intensity of, of the, 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 the Aussie fan is the sandpaper situation from South Africa. It's, it's reared its ugly head this summer because of David Warner mm. retiring mm. and it's what, what's the legacy of David Warner and then the non-selection of Cameron Bancroft. Too many people have gone straight to, oh, well, he's not getting picked because of, you know, the players don't want him in the team. And that's drawn out a lot of emotion in the Aussie fan as well. So there is still that linger of, of what has happened previously that I didn't think was as strong. Um, but we've been doing the program yeah. here over the last few weeks. It's strong. And that's the beauty of sometimes being out of the bubble because you, yes. you're you in the bubble, Cat, and you know what's right for the Australian team. And this is the right move for the Australian team, and you've explained it well. But from outside the bubble, sometimes you you tend to look at what the... Well, why aren't there more people turning up in Perth? Why didn't that test get 
the patronage that we thought it should get. But I'm feeling that there's more people listening and watching Test Cricket now than there has been for quite a while for some reason. I don't know why, but for some reason this summer has felt like it's had to cut through like it hasn't had for a few summers. Well, and, and Pakistan deserve a lot of credit for that because mm. obviously Australia play well in our home conditions, but the, the fight that Pakistan put up with mm. what was a pretty inexperienced attack and the injuries they had, you know, those two tests in Melbourne and Sydney could have gone the other way. Pakistan took their catches. We're hoping that the West Indies show a bit of pluck as well. They don't have the experience, but hopefully what they lack there, they make up for in their energy enthusiasm to, to make a name for themselves. So, you know, hopefully it'll be well supported here. It always is in Adelaide. The Adelaide people love their test cricket, so hopefully we'll get a good crowd here in the next few days. Oh, they'd come to Marbles here. <laughs> Adelaide fans, they just love their sport. Well, I think the biggest crowd here was ever in the history of Adelaide Oval is Adele. So I'm not sure we're going to get <laughs> 70,000, but uh, we will get a few here today. Great to have your company wherever you're listening to SEN Test Cricket, our pre-match for Spitwater Tools, not toys, working hard since 1982. The West Indies have three debutants. Uh, before we have a listen to what Adam White and Adam Carey had to say, Alex Carey had to say about with their little chat earlier on. A uh, quick word on the three debutants for the West Indies. Yeah, so they made a couple of changes in the middle order. Kevin Hodge comes in. He's a right-handed batsman from Dominica, 30 years of age, and he's got a little bit of first-class cricket under his belt, 55 games, but only averages 29, so that's going to be a big challenge for him. And then Justin Graves comes in batting at six. He's 29-year-old from Barbados, played 37 first-class games. So there's a, there's a lack of real hardened first-class cricket in these guys. There is, but what they did do is that those guys got runs in that Cricket Australia 11 game last week, so they come into this game with a little bit of confidence. They Correct. actually did quite well in that game. Yeah, I guess the hard part is uh, comparing that attack, which was basically a team full of kids yes. that aren't playing in the BBL or aren't contracted to BBL teams. But they're all in the Sheffield Shield. Yeah, some of them have played in the Shield. I think uh, Nisbet and, and um, Haskett from WA, but I guess... To compare them at their early stage of their careers to these yes, you know, oh, of course. Australian quicks that are at the peak of their powers. They seem like really nice guys, the Australian quicks, but they're actually killers. They're ruthless. For a feed, aren't they? they are ruthless. They're and, looking and for a big feed. They just they suffocated Pakistan all summer because they just... And that's why you don't see a lot of opposition teams get hundreds because there's just no let-up. Even when Nathan Lyon comes on, there's another challenge. And then Mitch Marsh will bowl and he'll get a few wickets or now Cameron Green might get a bowl. So... There's those two. The other one that's probably the one that everyone's looking forward to seeing is Shamar Joseph, who's 24 years of age from Guyana. Young, quick, and he bowled well in that game at Karen yeah. Rolton Oval. The, the mail is he can get to 150. Yeah. So he was about 145, Dwayne, in the tour game. So that's proper airspeed. And, you know, if you add Kimo Roach and also Zara Joseph into the mix, it's not a bad fast bowling trio. It's better than the attack they had last summer. The attack last summer was medium pace at best. It was like all of them bowling 120s apart from Alzari Joseph. The Australian batting lineup would have had a tougher challenge playing club cricket last year. <laughs> and I'm being serious. It was pedestrian at best. At least this time around, they've got a few fresh faces and they've got a little bit of airspeed. Whether they bowl the right line of length, that's another matter. But at least having two there, Jose, um, not Joseph, Kemar Roach won't bowl quick because he's 35 now. He was sort of in the mid-120s, maybe 130 last year. So he's nowhere near as quick as he used to be when he first came to these shores in 2009. And, and if you remember, he hit yeah. Ricky Ponting so in, the, in the elbow <laughs> at the Wacker. And I'd never seen Punter get hurt before. And he had to retire hurt. And his elbow blew up. He was quick. 
but he's not now. So the, under normal circumstances, a touring side has to come here and bat. You don't put Australia in and they make 700. But is there a temptation here, when you look at the wicket, and you went and had a look at it before, that the West Indies' best chance is actually to bowl first and maybe have them four for 70 at, at lunch? Yeah, and that could be the, the case you, that you look at because I think the danger is in this West Indian batting lineup. The two openers are rock solid. Brathwaite and Chanderbor can bat, and they, they proved to be a thorn in our side last summer when they got good starts, and that allowed the middle order a bit of a chance to get you know yeah. get some runs. If they get knocked over cheaply, and we saw this with Pakistan, the middle order could be under huge pressure because there's a very inexperienced... I mean, Mackenzie's played one test, Athanase has played two tests, and they're both kids. Mackenzie's 23 and Athanase is 25, so... There's not, and then the other two are on debut at five and six. So yeah. it's a lot of inexperience in the middle order. Simon Kadich with us. We're at the Adelaide Oval. Sun is shining. Play will start on time. It's picture perfect here. It's a little humid, which is great. It's an earlier start. It's going to do a little bit. The pitch is a little greener than some people expected. So, yeah, there might be some action early, especially if Australia has the ball in their hand, but maybe even if the West Indies quicks get their confidence up early. Adam White had a chat to Alex Carey. We'll play you a little bit of that very shortly as well. SEN Test Cricket for Host Plus and Henley Holmes built with confidence.